Hi everyone! I love these pranic festivals that are beginning to happen in the last couple of years and I want to start by uh, thanking the organizers. So, um, I've been given many many different questions that are going to create alternative thought patterns and alternative answers and, and I really like it because I think that you guys are gonna watch so many different viewers and so many different breatharian teachers and you're gonna get so many different opinions about things and you're going to find the ones that resonate with you the most and those are the ones that you're going to follow and those are the ones that you're going to take as advice to where you are right now in your you know your human experience so uh, I'll begin with the different questions that we had so far. Um, I'll just say my name is Raymo Orr. I'm a Breatharian since um, I would say seven years. I've been teaching six and a half years. I waited about six months to stabilize and know that this is a path for me. Um, I think that what I do is I combine or bridge spirituality and Western culture and materialism. I believe that the ego and the we can say that our unego, unity and separateness, they, they kind of come together uh, in a beautiful way. And this path truly accelerates our spirituality. And that's the reason why I started teaching it. So um, the first question was, which is the difference between fasting and pranic nourishment in your opinion? Um, so many people use, I think that pranish, pranic nourishment is a vibration. Um, it's more of a state of being fasting can get you there or helps you get there on the physical body. Now, when you begin to fast, a lot of other things start happening. And I'm talking not about a 24-hour fast. I'm talking about fasting as a, as a way of life. Um, first, the thing that happens is that your body has more energy because it doesn't use the digestive system. And emotions start being released. So the pranic nourishment or the state of being that is becoming uh, or that is defined as the pranic nourishment is a vibration. And to reach that, you have to go through a proper initiation, of course, and all the four bodies are being cleaned up. So that means the emotional, the physical, the spiritual, okay, and of course the mental. The mental is talking about your state of mind, your belief system. So when a person goes into a fast, he's expecting to stop being nourished from physical food. And it actually happens. So his uh, stomach will get upset a little bit and they will become weaker for a while. All that because of the, you can say, the mass consciousness of humanity and the mass belief system uh, that food is required as physical nourishment and is the only thing that we actually, human beings actually need. So when you're fasting, a regular fast with the intention of doing regular fast, you'll go through the stages of, of fasting, including um, ketosis and eventually um, rebuilding of the restructuring of the immune system and everything. But your body will collapse down the road. Now, when you're becoming a breatharian, it doesn't mean if you've done it, you know, it takes sometimes years, sometimes it takes a couple of weeks. There's so many different variables to the success rate and how much are you level three, are you level four? So, so it's quite, um, there's quite a lot of, uh, you can say, complexity in this. So when you're becoming a breatharian, eventually your body gets used to taking the energy that it requires from prana from the energy of existence. Now, you don't have to believe it. You can just look at it scientifically. For example, me, before I became a breatharian, I ate about 3,000 calories a day. I'm six foot four or 194 centimeters. I'm quite fit. I used to exercise a lot. And then after my initiation, after a proper adjustment period, I started drinking about 300 to 400 calories a day. And I was very strict about it. And I followed it scientifically. 
and I saw that I'm not losing any more weight after a while, and I saw that I'm getting my energy back. And for me, the difference between that, the 2,500 calories that are missing energy-wise, we call that prana or energy. And when we're thinking about it logically, when we go into a state of fasting, we are depriving our body of something. And as a breatharian, we're not depriving ourselves of anything, except maybe the joy of taste. But we enjoy taste, it's just not as common as normally. So we enjoy taste occasionally, not like three times a day and stuff like that. So those are the major differences, I would say. I would say that fasting is a key principle in reaching the pranic state. But I would say that the pranic state, I could say that the bonus of being in that state is not needing to eat that much. There's many other bonuses, of course, health factors, there's focus of the mind, there's downloads that are coming, an achievement of, um, you can say, uh, meditation mastery faster and stuff like that. So the, uh, the, the way to there is used by fasting. And that's why I think most teachers use that because it teaches the body that it doesn't need that much. And all the rest is kind of like domino rocks, you know, one after the other. They kind of fall into place, the belief system changes, the emotional cleansing that has to occur starts occurring. And, and then your spiritual, I would say the spiritual level that you can uh, get to, uh, and you can be modest, you, you can actually become more modest about that. The spiritual level that you get to is higher. So you learn to accept life as it is, you shift the responsibility of the emotional body and other things that happen. And it's hard to explain, you know, it's like explaining um, to the last grade how the next grade is going to look like. But you already understand that this is the way that it works because you've already went through, any, uh, you can say, spiritual awakening, especially if you go into a pranic festival. <laughs> okay, the next question was, what, which is the definition you would give to your being of light? Oh, that is so beautiful. Being of light for me is being of energy. You know, um, I'm... I'm a student of physics and a student of chemistry and biology and mathematics, so I'm very down to earth. And I can tell you everything here is information. Everything is light. So when we're talking about being of light, it's just about the other bodies that we can't really see, the bodies that we know we are part of. For example, if right now you're in a group or something like that, I'm going to teach you a very quick mechanism of how to see another person's aura. You can do this, by the way, uh, by looking in the mirror as well. I want you to gaze into their forehead. Uh, sorry, I want you to look into the forehead. And then keeping your eyes on the forehead, I want you to gaze around their head. Okay. Now, what you're going to see is the aura and the aura changes. You can even see my aura here. Okay. Different people have different, you know, structure of aura, different colors of aura, strength, different strength of aura. And that is the being of light beginning to see it. Now, some people, not me, are fortunate and they can see the whole body of light. You know, they can see the angels that are around you. They can see your higher self and speak to your higher self. That's also one of the mechanisms of being of light. And what is happening in the last years uh, for humanity and for us, of course, is that the light body is actually building up or regenerating or we are remembering our true essence. Our true essence is light, okay? Everything that you see, you know, the mask that we put upon ourselves, it's the ego. It's the separateness. It's the experience that we have been forced to. We won't go to by who and for what reasons. I can just tell you that the people that are watching this right now, you are the light workers. You are the ones that have been sent to awaken humanity. You have awakened by yourself. You have no idea why people think that you're so weird and why... People don't go into different conspiracy theories or different understandings about God, creation, and everything like you do. 
You don't understand why people, for example, don't understand how breatharianism works, but there's something little in your intuition, your guidance is kind of telling you, this is it. This is true. This is for me. I'm going to learn something here. It doesn't matter if I'm taking it for my whole life or I'm just taking it for one second, you know, a couple of weeks to experience something. It can be that you came from that experience in the previous incarnation, not as a breatharian, but as an entity of a higher dimension, a being of light, of true light, when we are no longer physical. And that's why it's so natural for you to think that this is something that is true for you, you know. But it can also be something that of a spiritual um, um, exploration that you had in a previous incarnation, like you were a monk that lived, that sustained himself on very, very little and meditated quite a lot. And that raises the vibration again. So the third question is, what is your opinion on the corona? Oh, this is a hot topic now. Actually, I had a few videos on my YouTube channel about it. I would tell you two things. First, have no fear. Have no fear. In God's creation, everything is pre-planned and everything is perfect. I would tell you that the best, um, the best way I can describe this is that when you go into a surgery, when a body goes into a surgery, the doctors have to put the person down. You have to go to sleep for a while, okay? And this is what is happening. We are, humanity as a whole is going through a surgery and we are needed to put down. Uh, now, there's a lot of conspiracy theories. Some of them are true, probably, about the cabal and about the fact that it's good that everybody's at home because there's mass arrests going on and there's a UFO discovery and there's a lot of things that are happening. I can tell you that for me, and I'm, uh, I'm an optimist, okay? I can, I can hear and see and I understand what is true. I can see that it's clearly a part of the divine plan. If it wouldn't happen or if it wouldn't have been necessary, it wouldn't happen. And look at the awakenings that happen. Look at all the, uh, uh, you know, the positive things that are happening. People are learning to appreciate life without work. People are learning to appreciate their relationship and their families. You know, so, so many cool things, you know. I've, I've done so many chores that I would never do in my house. Um, I can tell you that it's been more of a struggle with the breatharian path because there's so many emotions coming up. You know, um, I work less and one of my projects and businesses had to close up. Nobody's doing, uh, um, nobody's going on flights and going to initiations now for, for a couple of months. Maybe by the time that you're viewing this, everything is already opened up. Uh, because I had an initiation in Peru and I had an initiation in Spain and a few other countries. Um, the work that I did have, you know, project. So there's so many different uh, things that are coming from the fear aspect, the 3D mentality. The 3D mentality will say a collapse of economy. Oh my God, what is going to happen with us tomorrow? The 5D mentality is saying a collapse of economy to be rebuild in a better way for all of humankind, you know? And, and the 3D will be, oh, I'm so afraid. I don't know if I'm going to have any, any money. What is going to happen with my government? And they're going to vac vaccinate us for the corona. And the 5D is saying everything is okay. This is a part of life. You need to accept the fact that we did this for a purpose. Maybe that purpose, you with our little ego, you know, or our huge ego and our little comprehension of how things actually work. Maybe we don't understand it right now. But maybe we would look from the future into these times and understand exactly why the things that happened occurred in the sequence and you can say in the way that they had to occur. So this is what I think about it. Of course, you know, viruses are always have to connect with hosts. And it's, it's funny for me that the coronavirus seems to be killing the old ways and the old people and but not touching the new ways and the young people.
Okay, and that means something. Everything in, in, in God's creation means something. Ponder that a little bit as we go into the next question. <laughs> Which advice would you give to people who are starting the pranic nourishment? Well, I will tell you that this is a marathon and not a sprint. I will tell you that the two major struggles that I, I know from my students, I think that I, I've taught over, over a thousand people in 36 different processes, initiations. Most is two things. The first is society. And even if you're already a black sheep and you know, you're that weirdo, which most of us are, um, you're going to struggle with society because you're going to be alienated even more. Okay. So, um, Trust who you tell it to in the beginning. Wait until your weight stabilizes, which can take a while, depending on you. Okay. Um, don't share it with everyone. Don't share it with your doctor. Don't share it with people from the mainstream unless you feel, you know, you can, you can, uh, put, uh, 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 put bait, you know, on your rod. And if they bite the bait and it opens up a discussion, that's great. But just beware, beware of the emotions that will come because the negative emotions that being more alienated and judged and, and those people love you. They adore you. They love you. They think you've gone crazy uh, for, for a while until they understand that this shit is real and, and you see the blood test and you feel great. And some people are just jealous and they don't know how to deal with that jealousy. They don't know that they're jealous. They know that you've come to a newer state of being and, and it's different and they can't understand it. So they default to you're crazy or something's wrong. Um, so that's first thing is society. The second thing is mind games, your mind games, our mind games, mind games that judge ourselves for eating occasionally, mind games that feel that we have betrayed the pranic path because we had too much, um, mind games that think that we're losing more weight, mind games that think that we're, we're not, this is not okay for us, or we're not spiritual enough, or we don't have enough, you know, these are the struggles that usually come. And, Mostly the emotions that come is you, we, we think that we're de depriving ourselves of an, of an experience instead of thinking that we're taking two steps back in order to take 10 steps forwards, which is, this is, this is it. This is the, the pranic nourishment. The beginning is two steps back in order to take 10 steps forward. And it's the gift that keeps on giving. And you have to remember these things. You have to savor it. You have to watch different breatharian teachers online to connect with this energy because there's not enough breatharians in the world. When I asked Bashar, when I was building my pranic initiation, the process itself, I uh, consulted Bashar, the entity Bashar, um, and I asked him, what are the meditations that we need to learn? What are the, you know, he, he was talking about the four bodies, and he said that in 50 years' time, 10% of the population will be breatharians, 10%. So it's not the future of humanity. This is not the future of humanity. It's a group of people that are exploring consciousness and you are becoming one of those people. Don't expect everybody to understand. Think about the 70s being a guy that is vegan. Vegan, not even vegetarian. What is vegetarian? What is vegan? Who even knew what that was then? Restaurants, did they have a vegan dish? Of course not. This is what we have now with breatharianism. This is the stage that society is making fun of you and it's the stage that society doesn't understand you because they can't ex explain you. And in 50 years time, we will be like the vegetarians and the vegans of today. So what you're doing is that you're walking a path that is, is quite alone. You know, there's pranic festivals happen once a year. There's no active, you know, groups on Facebook, not a lot at least. Um, I keep in touch with some of my students and occasionally we, we, we meet and stuff like that. And I know that there's uh, Zoom meetings that are happening with, uh, with my mentor, the one that taught me. 
but it's not it's not something that is common you won't go to a place and say oh i'm a breatharian uh, you know and and somebody would say oh yeah me too me too you know you won't get much of that <laughs> so think about what you're going into and be serious about it i think you know the dalai lama said that um you need to choose a spiritual path and you need to stick to it and it teaches you discipline and it teaches you um to be a strong character um and and that is something that you can you can trust yourself so even if you choose to do this for a month or for two months to experience it you will know that you have learned anything everything that you needed to learn but i can tell you that the longer you go with this type of lifestyle the more you learn and the more you understand about it so yeah that's my uh how do you say that in english my two cents <laughs> okay next question ah i see time is running very nicely um okay so our next question is which advice would you give to people no this is the last question please tell us about a pleasant experience that you lived wow uh there's many pleasant experiences that i lived let me think about the best one okay this is going to sound maybe different to you because i've i've lived a, a life of exploration and i was quite radical for a long time um i would say when i was 30 years old i um i was married for one year to a french woman and it didn't end well and uh i was heartbroken i was sad and depressed and i decided to take a year off life and to go travel the world so i uh i went to i think seven or eight countries for a whole year i was traveling and when i, I reached cambodia i fell in love um again <laughs> with a french girl <laughs> i guess i have a pattern um and, but my wife is russian right now so <laughs> so i fell in love with a french girl and we were traveling with uh, a few other israelis and a german girl and an austrian girl and we were like a group of eight or nine people and it was the best time of my life I, i would say this is when i look back at life and you know when i'm thinking about the day that i die and i go through the recollection of all of my life it was that time i was involved with her i was in love we took a lot of psychedelics like a lot of different psychedelics we were on a beach a deserted beach that we all decided to go after a, a trance party a rave of three days and we decided that we don't want to go in the normal way that other travelers are going so we found an island that was deserted and we found a fisherman and we went there and we were all naked all day long and we were just so connecting with nature and with our with our true self there was absolutely no judgment imagine you know a bunch of young hippies you know from 21 to 30 years old i was i was the old one there you know most most of them were about 24 25 right after a rave when we danced every you know without any obligations without any responsibility i was in love with her she was in love with me and it was it was radical and it was a time of radical self acceptance for me as well i was learning so much it was just before i became a breatharian it was the the opening of my spiritual path and and it happened because of love and i remember that i remember clearly that because i was trained in the military and because because of some things that i suffered as as a child not uh, not being molested or anything like that but some things happened to me that closed up my my emotional body as a protection mechanism my mind kicked in and it protected me and and i didn't realize that until i was very much older 
So I had a very sharp mind in everything that I did. I work in IT as an engineer and my thoughts and my ability to connect the dots. But then I noticed that something is missing. Emotions, feelings. And the Breeder Initiation and this, this event that I'm talking about when I traveled the world and I, and I met that girl and we were together for, for a month uh, and, and had that amazing time together. All these things opened up my emotional body. And of course, it's, it's, it's a voyage. It's, it's a path. It's a, it takes years to undo what happened to you when you were a child, you know, the traumas that we, that we suffered. And that was the beginning. And that's why I like it so much because as soon as I came back home and I live in Israel right now, as soon as I came back home, I was looking to volunteer. I was looking to meet other people that are like-minded like me. I didn't know it back then because I didn't know the definition of what higher vibration people are. Today I understand. I understand that Breatharians are people, people who are capable of sustaining the lifestyle and become very gentle with themselves, become very um, humble about their experiences. Their ego is minimized. They are capable of saying, I take responsibility for, for my life, for my actions, for my thoughts, for my emotions. It means that there's no more fighting. There's no, no more fighting reality. And that's something that occurred there, but it just, it was, I guess it had to happen, right? I mean, everything is perfect in the, in the plan that was laid before me. And that was the, 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 the beginning. And ever since then, I'm just learning and growing more emotionally, you know, having a baby girl and now a baby boy on the way, having my wife, you know, um, agreeing to marry and to be with one person for the rest of your life. Before that, I was polyamoric. I was uh, dating uh, multiple people together. I was, um, it was fun, but it, it wasn't diving into the relationship. It was uh, ignoring, you know, the rules of society because I really liked it. I didn't like being normal. I liked being, you know, I didn't like minimizing my heart, but then I understood that I'm, I'm not diving in. You know, there's, there's advantages to this and there's advantages to that. And after being eight years in polyamoric relationships, I believe that I've understood what I needed to understand and I decided to dive in. Yeah. So I would say this is a very pleasant experience that I, I had in my life. I have many more pleasant experiences. But, you know, the more I think about it, it seems like um, I'm thinking that happiness, when I'm thinking about pleasant experiences in my life, I'm thinking that happiness is external to me. But happiness is not external to me. Happiness is internal to me. You know, it's a decision. And the more you decide that happiness is not about the coincidences or synchronicities or achievements in your life, and you choose to be happy without any reason to be happy, then happiness kicks in and it becomes a normal state of being for you. You know, I would say pleasantness, um, uh, effortlessness, synchronicity. So you don't have to make a lot of effort in order to become happy because it's your natural state of being. Our next question is, please tell us about an unpleasant experience that you lived. Oh. I've, <laughs> I've had a few of those too. <laughs> I'll tell you the one that pops up because that's, I assume that's my intuition telling me or my higher guidance. And even though I don't generally like to talk about it, um, because it makes me kind of sad and even scared, um, it means that you will learn the most from it. And this happened about, um, five years ago, maybe six years ago. I was just, starting to teach. Um, I was just starting to teach Breatharianism to groups. And the first group, I had a, a partner with me that he was also becoming a Breatharian and he wanted to be, um, he wanted to join me to be a teacher. He said that I'm going to be in front, he's going to be in the back. 
And one day, he took too much of a good thing, um, too much magic mushrooms. Uh, because I told you, we got, we were consciousness explorers back then. Um, and we were radical, like very eccentric. And being a breatharian and taking any substance, any substance is 10 times stronger, I think. 10 times stronger. Uh, you probably noticed, you know, like when you're drinking a little bit of alcohol, drinking a little bit of caffeine, then it's really intense. So back in the day, he, he took too much of something good and gradually he lost, he lost his mind. Um, retroactively, the doctors told us that it was, um, bipolar. And in the same time, he was immune to any negative emotion. He didn't understand what he was doing. He was chasing after me, um, to different lectures that I was giving. He threatened to kill me. He stole about $10,000 from me and I had to meet him in court. Uh, we had to, we had to call, you know, the psychiatric awards and we had to hospitalize him. And it was, in the beginning, it was quite amazing, I can tell you, because it took about two months until he completely lost in his mind. In the beginning, it's as if he was possessed. I'm talking about my friend here. He was my friend back then. And I looked into his eyes and I saw something different looking back at me. And it, it was as if he was coming in and out, in and out, in and out of being himself. And when he was himself, he told me, Ray, you have to help me. Something is going on. I don't understand it. But when he was that thing, I think that, you know, his uh, auric field maybe opened up and something came in um, because I have seen things like this happen on ayahuasca many times. So something possessed him and he slowly, he, he lost his mind. He, he spent all his money. He, he, he broke up with his girlfriend. He lost his job. He sold his car. Like everything started happening and, and he always told me, Ray, everything is perfect. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know everything. I am God. I am unity. I understand everything now. And, and it, and it became like that. That was the bipolar, you know, uh, it's called manic depression because you go manic, you know, you go into the God state, the 5D, you see everything as it is. And you know, you simply know who you truly are. And after a while, when you are confronted with reality, you go into depression. And that's why it's called manic depression, because after that manic state, you go into a depression, understanding that you've lost relationships, that you hurt people, that you did so many bad things. And with me, he was my closest and dear friend. And all these things, going to court with him and arguing with him and him threatening and and, and blaming me so, mon so many different things. You know, he was standing in front of the judge and he was telling lies and he believed them. And and I, I was I was like, I was shaking. He told he told the he told the judge that, you know, we we were uh, dating uh, uh, young girls and we were in uh, satanic rituals and we were doing and, 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 he, and he was just saying that like that because he felt like doing it and that's what you get when you are manic depressed you do whatever it is that you want and you don't care and he was such a genius you know the judge just looked at him and he was like yeah you know i don't believe you and this is not really the subject the subject is the money that you stole and you know we have all this evidence and all these people so that was a very unpleasant time in my life. I can also tell you retroactively that when my parents broke up, you know, my father became an Orthodox Jew and had eight more kids. And he was one of those penguins, you know, the black and white people with a long beard. And I was only four years old. I hardly remember, but I'm pretty sure that it was an unpleasant time for me as well. And it, um, it confronted me with uh, individuality and becoming the man of the house. Um, it's, it's the origin of why I don't, I dislike religions and what religions have done to us over the last, you know, thousands of years and what happens now because of religions. 
So there's many different things I would say that have been unpleasant, but from the bottoms of our life, you know, we only grow and we become stronger. We have to confront and understand that the negative emotions are here to teach us. They're here to tell us something about ourselves. And if you had the perfect life, I can guarantee that you're not as strong individually. And maybe you're not chasing things uh, as much as other people are. So I would say that these things define who we are. Becoming a breatharian is, was in the beginning unpleasant in, in many modalities. It was unpleasant for the body. It was a trauma for my body. I was one of those that did the, the 21 days by, by themselves, you know, mentored by someone. Today, the group initiations are <laughs> considerably easier. Um, the breatharian teachers know a little bit more. Uh, we're adding a lot of alternative things to unlimit the mind. And, you know, over the years, people learn more and how to make it perfect. And the energy of the group lifts us up. But in the beginning, it was very unpleasant. The first year, I didn't eat any solid food at all. And it was unpleasant for my birthday. <laughs> it was unpleasant for my mom, you know, in the holidays and Friday evenings when everybody was sitting and eating. So, yeah, I would say there's a lot about <laughs> that. Next question. How do you see the world in the future in many years? Ah, you know, <laughs> you saw that, you know, the different reaction. It's, uh, how do you say that in English? That you have two confronting emotions. Um, so I know that heaven and hell are a state of mind. So if you're asking me about the world, the world is internal. So if my world is heaven, because I see heaven, you know, the half cup is full or half cup is empty type of perspective, then I would tell you that the world is heaven. Because I know that we're moving into a new timeline in a high vibration. Am I imagining that there will be a world, a world with absolutely no poverty and no wars and, you know, no oil consumption, stuff like that? Maybe down the timeline, maybe. Um, I'm really hoping that aliens will join us and we'll get the bigger picture. I hope that there will be a mass awakening and we will be in love with each other. Like Bashar likes to say that their species is just in love with each other. Everybody is in love with each other. So there's a lot of respect. I see a future with no religion. I see a future with no money, no money at all. How is, you know, it's hard for us to fathom that, to imagine how a future with no money looks like. But I definitely think that it's feasible. I definitely think that we are on our way there. How is it going to look like? I think it's going to look like sharing a lot more resources. I think that uh, the future is with communities more than individuals. And when you look at a human being and you compare a human being to an animal, for example, an animal grows up quite quickly. So your dog will go to its full size in a couple of months. The same thing happens with different animals in nature. But an, a human being takes 15, 16 years to go to, to its size and mentally. Why? They tell us that it happens because we need each other. We are in the cycle of existence, of experience, not like animals, that they are just born with the information and they're taught very, very little by their parents and then they can go on their own. We rely on each other. Baby relies on its parents for many, for two decades almost, two decades. And we don't have any venom and we don't have the strength of a gorilla. And we, do you understand? We don't have the advantages that animals have because we need each other. So one person will pick up the food and one person will make the fire and one person will learn how to build a house properly and will teach it to his neighbors. So I see a future that goes down in that direction because that's the experience that human beings need to have. And until now we had that, but in a separate type of experience, 
you know, like the, the, the ways that I was talking about. First, we take care of ourselves and then the family. And then we take care of people that we find an affiliation with. So males with males, women with women, uh, with females with females. And then we think about our country and we say we, you can say, objectify a country and think that we are. So we are American, we are Italian, we are French. And therefore, our ways, our culture, our way of thinking that comes first. So when we're becoming communities, we're forgetting about that. And we're moving into unity. Unity is 5D. Now, I do think that supernatural things that are already occurring will happen at a much, much faster pace. For example, I believe that our synchronicities and our thoughts will become a reality much faster. Down the timeline where the light workers actually, you know, win the light darkness war. And this is the, the, the timeline that I believe that we are on right now. I can see it happening. I can see that my synchronicities I can see that I'm not thinking about what I want and it's naturally coming to me. And if I don't think, you know, my ego thinks that it's not what I wanted, you know, by saying, oh, that's not what I want or why did this happen to me or stuff like that, down the line, I will understand why it happened. And I do. When I retroactively look five years ago and 10 years ago and I compare the person that I was to the person that I am today, I can understand why things happened the way they were. So I'm not struggling too much. In other words, we're much more focused on the present moment because our mind and our ego are the things that are moving us to the future that hasn't happened and challenging us with fears and analyzing the past that again, the past has happened and we should leave it behind us. So we're looking to the present, to the future. And yeah, that's, that's what I think the world will look like. And I, I think that we're already building that. I've been meeting so many, you know, the, Breathe <laughs> the people that come to Breathear initiations are the peak uh, you know, the, 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 the extremes, the eccentric, the most interesting ones that I think that are, they're already thinking like the general state of being will be in the future. So I'm, I'm kind of like involved in that. And I feel that we're pushing in that direction. We don't have to do a lot. We just have to be who we truly are. That's the secret. We're letting go of who we think we should be in order to become the person that we truly and naturally are. And this is something, by the way, that the pranic nourishment and that state of being really helps you with because you are acknowledging the weaknesses. You're acknowledging that you're not enjoying your relationship. You're acknowledging that your job is not satisfying and you don't feel like you're doing the right thing that you're meant to be doing here. And as you're challenged with facing that with a mirror, reflecting that you have to do something about it. If you don't do something about it, your vibration is going to go down because you won't be able to deal with it emotionally. And this is what happens to a lot of Bidarians. This is one of the challenges that we're confronted with reality. And it's easier for us to eat emotionally and go back to eating, which is just a bandage. It doesn't fix or heal anything, anything at all. That is a great question, by the way. Next question. Which is your relationship with life and death? Wow. Uh, I'm not sure everybody will understand my answer. I don't see this. I'm not talking even about the incarnations and the story of the soul that dies and is reborn and stuff like that. I think this whole thing is an illusion. I wouldn't go as far as saying it's a joke, but nothing here is real. You know, I've, I've, I've tasted godhood, you know, in 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, small moments of, of enlightenment before you go back to the 3D persona and the avatar. And I've seen the truth. I've seen the truth that is indescribable with words. I've tried. I've, I've made a YouTube video called my death and rebirth ex experience. Um, 
where, where I really saw the non-duality ex- experience of God. And, and that means that we are God. Well, there is no life. There is no life. There is no death. There's just a temporary human experience that we should savor as much as we can, that we should enjoy as much as, as we can. And what we're doing, we're wasting it. You know, we're just, we're just wasting it. A lot of us are just stuck thinking that we are not deserving, thinking that we're not good enough, um, looking at our body and, and, and not liking it or, you know, that's, 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 that's missing the whole point of life and the experience. And this is something I, I think that we understand only when we die. When we die, we understand why we came to life. If we're looking for the simple answer, yes, I believe that death is not the end, of course. I believe that we are a part of a higher soul. I believe there's different levels of, of incarnation. We are born into a group. And, and in that group, we change positions. We change our jobs. One time you are the parent. One time you are the, the son or the daughter. One time you are the rapist. One time you are the person being raped, for example. And we're exploring uh, any and all experiences that life has to offer. Any and all of them. We have to check any possible experience you know and then this story will end and we'll begin another one and if you want to go a little bit broader then the story has already ended because time doesn't exist we are exploring all experiences simultaneously in the same time and but i can tell you that the non-dual experience shows you everything it shows you that life here is an illusion created by god you as a light worker are a part of the hierarchy of creation you've come here to help help awaken a dormant, um, I wouldn't say dormant species, but human beings, we are dormant right now. We are sleeping because an awakened individual understands unity in 5D and, and, and listens to their higher self and to their guidance. And right now, most people are just not awakened enough to do that. I'm not judging where we are right now. I'm just saying that the awakening that is going to occur is going to surprise quite a lot of people when they discover the truth. I think that there's going to be a whole rascal of emotions coming out. There's going to be anger and rage for the lies that we've been told. And at the same time, people are going to open up their heart to each other. And the truth is going to set a lot of us free. I would say that experiencing the death and rebirth experience teaches you something, but then you forget about it. And the reason that you forget about it is because you have a job to do. My job is to be Ray. Your job is to be the person that you are, you know, to explore the path that God is giving you without trying to struggle it too much. The more you try to struggle the path, the more you say, I know what is good for me, then you're going to be off the path. And then you're going to feel the discord, the emotional discord. You're going to feel bad about it. And that the Bible teach you. We have written a golden path for you. Please stay on that path. Your path is written by your intuition. Your intuition tells you if you like somebody. Your intuition tells you if you should take that job. Your intuition tells you if you should go through to a breatharian initiation or not. You know? And the path is written. It's always written because it's God's light that is shedding the light on the path. (laughs) Um, I hope I've given you enough things to think about. Let us go into the last question. What can you say about suffering? Ah, you know, I just heard the the summary of the Dalai Lama's book about, I think, the secrets of happiness. And he was talking there. There was four keys there. Okay. And the second key was suffering is a part of life. My, my wife likes to say that we came here to suffer. 
And from suffering, uh, we grow, and it's true. I think suffering is a part of life, and it's a part of the contrast of duality and 3D. So if we didn't come to suffer even a little bit, then we wouldn't know how to appreciate, right? We wouldn't know how to appreciate the non-suffering. Yeah, if any of you have ever done an ayahuasca ceremony, people go through a great deal of suffering physically during the ayahuasca. And in the morning, when everybody is back to normal, the sensation is amazing. And I, I always think that maybe we came here to suffer in order to feel that sensation in the morning. Or how about people who run marathons? I'm pretty sure that they're suffering. But the end, the, um, the endorphins that are released and the sensation of achievement, you know, in the end, in the end. So everything makes sense retroactively when we're looking back at it, not right now, when we're looking back at it. And it's, uh, it's quite profound, this experience. I remember part of my previous lives. I remember, I remember being a, a spiritual leader in the Indian nations. I'm talking about the American Indians. And I remember being a monk. And I know why I am who I am today. And I know that every time I awaken around when I'm 33 um, to take a role of a teacher. Now, uh, it's a responsibility, of course. You know, the more 5D you become, the more, the less you are thinking about everything that has to do with yourself and more about how do I, you know, help awaken humanity? How can I serve a little bit more and stuff like that? And knowing these things actually occurred to me in the past or in the future, I don't know, it depends on how you see it. Knowing it has taught me absolutely and added absolutely nothing to my life. Nothing, you know, because I think that even that is something that my mind might have fathomed in an experience in order to tell me or to push me in a certain direction. I think that everything that we are um, learning here and seeing here and exploring here, the information is giving to us in a specific time in order for us to understand where our next step is. And retroactively, we won't always understand. For example, one time I invested and I lost all my money in an investment and everything. My intuition told me, my guidance told me, a good friend of mine told me about that. I checked it. Everything was legit. And I was, um, I was just fucked over pretty much. And, and I asked myself, why did this happen? Because there was a lesson that I had to learn there. And I learned the lesson. And because I, you know, I explored myself, I explored my, my consciousness deeply. Why did I have to learn this lesson now? What did, you know, all that kind of stuff. So every information, a conversation, an experience you had, a previous lifetime, you know, vision that you had, everything is here to teach you a lesson. It's not necessarily the truth, truth, but it's the truth you need to know for the next step in your spiritual awakening. And I think this will sum it up. Usually we take questions at this point, but I know that today with the corona and everything, um, uh, we won't be able to uh, get any questions. If you want more of my stuff, um, I highly recommend my YouTube channel. I have over 60,000 subscribers now. It's called Ray Maor. And you can go on my website, raymore.com, if you do want to do a pranic initiation with me, which is... <laughs> I think this is the best of what I can give, probably. It's nine, nine days. It's nine days. It's, <laughs> it's all of my information in a very short period of time. Workshops, meditations, breathing techniques, you know, a lot of different conversations just like this. Thank you very much for joining the festival. Thank you for the organizers. Thank you for the amazing light workers that want to keep expanding your consciousness. And thank you for choosing to listening to me for the last, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes of, of, of this lecture. Namaste, my friends. Stay strong and happy.
I love you all.